Well, welcome everyone. Hey kids, you can head over to Stephanie and team and head to your class. I'm Debbie Manning, one of the pastors here at the table. We're so glad that you're with us tonight. And one of the things that, that we want to acknowledge is that it is Mother's Day. And that day is uh, a time that for many is just a time of celebration and joy. And for others, it's a, it's a time of um, grief and loss and sometimes everything in between. And so we want you all to know that this is a place, a space where we hold that together. And we can be in that together, whether you're grieving a loss of a mom or a broken relationship or this deep desire to be a mom, you know, or you're celebrating that you are a mom or that celebrating your mom. We love being a community that we can link arms and do life together and hold each other in whatever that looks like for each and every one. So we're grateful. We're grateful that you're here with us tonight, despite the wild playoff, apparently. Um, and a lot of sick people, so we're glad that, that you're with us. Couple of quick announcements. May 22nd is a really important date to keep in mind. We have a family outing at Marshall Terrace Park from 1 to 3. You can go to our website and get more information on that. It looks like it'll just be so much fun, a great way to connect and get to know Stephanie and some of her team better and for your kids to connect as well. So look into that. That same evening, we have our annual meeting. So we'll hang out in the sanctuary here just for a short time. There'll be childcare. It won't be more than 30 minutes, but we really encourage you to be there to just hear about everything that's going on, um, what our board's been up to, and you can get more information then. We'll also be welcoming new members that night in the middle of service, so um, please come and, and we'll be part of welcoming all those new, new members as well. Um, thank you. Thank you for continuing to give and, and keep this church uh, with the ability to be the church because we continue to do that, um, not just with each other, but in the world and in our community. So thank you. You can go online to give. You can also, um, the box is at the back. If you like to do it the old-fashioned way, there's a box for money or check as well. Last but not least, if you want to stay connected, get connected, um, all you need to do is text TABLE to 33222. And then Maggie Keller will make sure you get all the news. Any, th any cancellations, any new things happening, reminders. Um, so be sure and do that if you guys want to stay connected to what we're doing. Last, before I turn it over to Deva, our wonderful intern who will be um, preaching the message tonight. We wanted to spend a little time in prayer. We are a community that believes in uh, the power of prayer and praying together. And since we've been at Bethlehem Lutheran because of COVID, we haven't had a chance to do our, what we call the prayers of the people. So it's, it's been since our Knox days that we've had a chance to do that. So if you have a prayer request, just raise your hand and we'll just spend a few minutes. I'll walk around. You can share that prayer request and then I'll pray and then I'll hand it over to Deva. So does anybody at all have something that they'd love some prayer for? Oh. Elise. We are adopting our son on the 23rd, so we're very excited about that. Um, but that also brings a very complicated emotions for, especially for kiddo and for us. And so just praying that the day goes well and that we're able to both celebrate and hold the trauma and the loss that that day is significant of. So, I love that. Thank you. We'll pray for that. Anybody else? Maggie. 
Um, it's fitting because it's Mother's Day, but um, John and I, we, our younger sister um, miscarried this week. And so I think just more broadly for moms who are longing to be moms and experiencing loss. Um, yeah, we'd love prayers for her. Her name's Christina. Christina, and that's your sister, John. Okay. Any other prayers? would ask for prayer in my continued uh, journey with ALS. Awesome. I love that. Great. I am going through a job change and just wisdom and strength with that. Thanks. Awesome. Let me pray. Holy and gracious God, we gather together as a community of people just trying to follow your ways, trying to figure out what it means to be your beloved children and, and to experience and share that love in this community and in this world. And we come here, God, with our own stories and our own broken hearts and our own prayers. And we're so grateful, God, that um, you hear the prayers spoken and unspoken. We lift these prayers to you. We pray for Patricia and a job transition, God. You know all the details of of that story and closing chapters and stepping into new things. And so we pray, God, for just a deep sense of peace and your presence in that. We lift up Elise and Zeke as they get ready to make it official with Demarian and um, his adoption, God. Those stories are complicated and they're full and wonderful and hard and joyous. And I pray, God, that... Um, in all the details and all that's ahead, that they might feel you holding them in it. That they might know in, in all the joy and in the hard parts too, God, that you are with them. That you are for them. That you won't let go of them in this. And I pray for Jonathan's sister, Christine. And I pray, God, just uh, for her heart. Her heart and so many hearts, Lord, that have had losses miscarriages, those who so deeply desire to have a baby, God. I just pray for her and her husband, God, that you might um, encourage them, that you may give them space to heal, to move forward, to hold hope, a hope that they can have through you. And God, we lift up Lynn, Lynn and Gino and their boys, God, as they continue to navigate this journey of ALS, a journey that's hard but a journey that they continue to see you and your hand on them and on others. And God, I just pray that you encourage, or continue to just fill them with your presence, your love, um, above all things, hope. And we trust, God, that you are holding Lynn and her family and that they are never alone as they walk this journey. God, I pray, too, for so many that I've uh, talked to and met with in the last couple weeks that have, are struggling with um, mental health. God, I, um, I was at a family wedding this weekend, and I bet a half a dozen people talked about experiencing depression and anxiety. And I just know, God, that that is a hard road to walk, and that so often we can feel alone. So, God, I pray that in the midst of that, for all those that are struggling, that, that they will know that they're not alone, that there is hope. And that uh, they know that they're loved. God, we lift these prayers and, and all the unspoken prayers to you. We're grateful. We're grateful that you are God who loves us, that calls us to love one another, 
that promises to be with us always. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I'd like to introduce Deva to you. Welcome. Hey. Do you all just take a, <clears throat> take a breath with me, please? Just. That always feels good. So um, this last week, I turned in my final assignments, and I attended my last classes of seminary. I'm officially done. <laughs> and I learned a whole lot in those very long three years, um, one of which is the, how important it is to have a really compelling sermon intro, that it needs to be succinct, and you have to draw people in, and it sets the tone for the whole thing. And after all that training, I'm here to tell you I got nothing. Uh, it's not from lack of effort. I found a nice poem. I thought of a funny illustration, uh, but none of it really fit what I'm hoping to communicate tonight. So I suppose this actually is my intro, in which case the tone is just being real. As the table follows the Revised Common Lectionary, I had four passages to choose from this evening, and I chose Psalm 23. Now, while you're all too kind to audibly groan, uh, there might be some internal groaning going on there, and I get it. Um, I tried to not pick this one personally, and it's not that I have anything against it, I just thought it doesn't have anything left for me. Um, I've known it for as long as I can remember, I've heard it a thousand times, but it just kept drawing me back in, inviting me to explore it with a new heart and new eyes. Um, so even if you feel like you're done with it too, this evening I invite you to just be open to something new. Psalm 23 begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. And as Matt highlighted a couple weeks ago, this psalm begins with David speaking about God. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. But then there's this switch. David finds himself in the hardest of places, the darkest of valleys, a time of suffering. And that's when he turns and addresses God directly. You are with me. In the Hebrew, the center structural line of this text is that line, you are with me. And this points to the theological center of it as well. At its core, the theme of this passage is about the presence of God, God with us. There's an intimacy here. It's about the practice of divine presence. And while this sounds quite lovely and good, it brings up some questions for me. What does it mean to be in the presence of God? What does that feel like? And perhaps most importantly, who is this God that is present to me? Because this psalm is so popular, it's been depicted in paintings, stained glass windows, printed in children's Bibles. And I would think many of us would have an image of the scene here. So I'm going to ask you to take a minute, maybe even close your eyes, see if you can paint a picture in your mind of what Psalm 23 looks like. 
All right, got it? For me, the idea that's most familiar is that of a white man, presumably Jesus, um, in a rolling green meadow. There's a stream somewhere. The guy's holding a sheep, or maybe it's over his shoulders. Um, show of hands if you had something remotely similar to this. Yeah, see, it's out there. Um, and it turns out that this image was carefully crafted by third and fourth century church fathers. In Psalm 23, David uses the metaphor of a shepherd to describe God. And Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And the church fathers put this together and formed an image around a Christological connection with the Lord of the text and the male figure of Jesus from the New Testament scripture. They also tied this figure culturally to the Greco-Roman images of shepherds or ram bearers, which were actually modeled after the Greek god Hermes. And that's why this figure is often light-skinned, sometimes even with blonde hair. But the word that's translated as Lord in Psalm 23 is actually the tetragrammaton, Hashem. It's the name for God that is so holy, it cannot be spoken. In this passage, we somehow went from this sacred, divine name that represents a holy and mysterious God to the image of a white dude on a day hike with a sheep. <laughs> but God, that's represented in this English translation as Lord, has no gender, no race, and no flowing blonde locks. So who is this God who I can turn to when I'm in trouble and say, you are with me. The scriptures are heavy with metaphors. God is a shepherd, God is a rock, God is a father, a potter, a son, and a shield. And each of these metaphors affect how we perceive the scripture. Biblical scholars have begun to explore what they call visual exegesis. And it's looking at how the combination of certain words have a visual aspect that in turn create images and trigger associations for us. Now, this is influenced by culture, church teachings, our own personality, uh, imagination, all kinds of things. But whether or not we've spent time thinking about it, each of us have formed images in our mind around scriptures that impact how we understand those scriptures. A couple of weeks ago, Matt talked about how for David, as a shepherd, this idea of the Lord as my shepherd would be meaningful. But I'm not a shepherd. I don't really get shepherds. I don't get sheep. I don't know whether or not they have GPS systems. Um, and the image of the white dude on the day hike, like I can't get out of my head. So I went looking for something to replace that. With this being the lectionary text for today, Mother's Day, I started to wonder what it would mean to be in the presence of Mother God, to know that she is with me. God is often talked about as Father God, and while there are references in the scripture to God as mother, I hadn't really sat with what it means to be mothered by God. As I started to look into this idea, there were a couple things that gave me pause. What I don't want to do is reinforce gender binaries, set up the idea that God is male or God is female. Whether you look at God as being genderless or genderful, I don't think that using she, her pronouns or he, him pronouns are any more correct. 
But I believe, like many womanist and feminist theologians, that to counterbalance the heavy-handed image of a male father god that Western Christianity has often put forth, we could use a generous dose of female mother god imagery. I also don't want to buy into cultural stereotypes that profess that male traits go with fathers and female traits go with mothers. But as we filter the scripture through our images and our cultural and religious norms, if I just talk about God as a parent, chances are you'll hear God as a father and may associate some patriarchy or male primacy with that. And while I don't think it's wrong to think of God as a father, that image is woefully incomplete. So here again, to combat the strong masculine culture filter, we must pull the other way and contemplate God as a mother. With all these caveats and acknowledging that there is no perfect metaphor for the mysterious divine, let's just take a few minutes and explore what it means to have God as a mother. There are many references to God as mother in the Bible. Hosea uses the metaphor of God as a protective mama bear. Isaiah compares God to a woman nursing her child and talks about how God comforts us in the way of a mother. And several verses speak of God giving birth to us, of us being from the womb of God. In fact, the only reproductive organ that's associated with God in the Bible is that of a womb. And this is what stood out to me while studying this idea of mother God. There's a word in Hebrew that in its singular form means womb, but the plural form is translated as compassion or mercy. There's a lot of examples of this. One of them is Psalm 145:8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now the scholars who brought this word to my attention said that it really should more be accurately translated as mother love or even the love emanating from the womb of God. The womb-like love of Mother God. And while I've tried to get on board with the idea of the Lord is my shepherd, trying to understand what shepherds do and what that means for me and if I'm a sheep, it's never really been more than an intellectual exercise. But this idea, the womb-like love of Mother God, it's something I can feel. I can feel it. It connects to something I know and something that's real. I'll be honest and tell you that Mother's Day is one of the most dreaded days of the year for me. It started years ago when we were going through the ups and the very, very downs of fertility treatments and going to church on Mother's Day, swimming through a veritable sea of pregnant women and babies. Then several pregnancy losses solidified my aversion to this day. And now, as a mother to two very young adults, on a good day, I feel like an inadequate mother. And on a bad day, I feel like a complete failure. I'm also a child who has a complicated relationship with my own mother. And to me, this happy Hallmark holiday is just a reminder of how things aren't as they should be. On top of that, if you're a mom, you have to pretend that this is the most fabulous day of the year and you couldn't be happier about it. And pretending has never been my strong suit. 
I'm sure some of you share my feelings about Mother's Day. Um, it's a complicated day, like Debbie said. And it's either, you know, maybe you're a mom, it's hard from that standpoint. Maybe you want to be a mom, and that's hard. Maybe you've never wanted to be a mom, and you feel kind of weird about today, and it's a strange pressure. Um, maybe your mom was really wonderful, but they're not here, and you miss them dearly. Maybe your mom loved you with everything they had and the best they knew how, but because they're human and they have their own wounding, it still lifts something in you, an ache, something that longed to be filled. This is where the womb-like love of Mother God is a balm for my soul. God's womb offers me a love that is safe and warm. It's a place where I'm protected. God's womb is a love that nourishes me, it holds me close, and it offers me a deep, intimate connection. It's a love that muffles the noises of the outside world and softens the blows. It's a love that is fierce and courageous, strong and tender. It's a love that gives me life. This image of being held tightly in the life giving love of God's womb changed Psalm 23 for me. It gives me a new image of God's presence, of what it means to turn to God and say, you are with me. Now this isn't scripture, but I rewrote this poem for myself to help me find comfort and to learn to rest in the practice of divine presence. And I'd like to share it with you as we close. I invite you to just get comfortable in your seat. Maybe close your eyes if that feels okay. And just listen, see if a new picture forms in your mind of what it means to be in the presence of God. The divine is my mother. There is nothing I lack. She offers me respite and peaceful hideaways. She leads me to places of quiet rest. She returns me to myself. She encourages me to stand for justice, for her name's sake. Even when I go through the hardest times, my fears will not overtake me, for you are with me. You are trustworthy and make me feel safe and secure. You generous, generously nourish me when I'm overwhelmed. You care for me. You provide without restraint. Your compassion pursues me endlessly every day. Your goodness seeps into each pore of my heart and mind. Your loving kindness fills every crevice of my hurting soul. I will rest secure in the womb of God all the days of my life. Amen. I know that we're not a... Um we're not the type of folk who burst out in applause or anything. But I was sitting there and I was thinking about just, Deva, you've given so much of yourself to diving into that text and offering up this good gift to people. And sometimes I think we take it for granted. That was beautiful. And I thank you. I needed that more. Thank you. Yeah, Lenny. Yeah. Thank you. 
This is the part of the service where we gather around the bread and the wine and we remember those moments where Christ looked at the bread sitting at the center of the table and he said, this is my body broken for you, which those words in and of itself have been for millennium, millennia echoed by mothers across the board who have actually experienced their bodies broken for the nutritional benefit of their babies. It was the motherly instinct in Christ that looked at his friends who were across the table. And he reached for the bread that was sitting at the center and he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you take this in the future, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget about all that we've gone through. Don't forget about all the moments of hardship, the moments of the valley, the moments of the peaks. Don't forget about those moments. Whenever you take this bread and you eat this bread, do so in remembrance of me. In the same way, he lifted up the cup of wine and he said, and this, to a table full of confused faces, not knowing what he was talking about. But he said, this is the blood, my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. In the future, when you sit at this table or another table and you take from the bread and you drink from the cup, remember me. Remember what we got after together. Remember the compassion that I commanded you to live with. And so we do that here. We take the body and we take the cup and we remember that this is of Christ and this is a call to fidelity to Christ. And so as we do so, will you please stand with me so we can say in unison together as a community the Lord's Prayer. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Whether today is a day of grief or a day of joy, or it's just really complicated and there's all kinds of feelings, uh, my prayer for you this evening is that you would know the presence of God there with you. If you want, you close your eyes and put out your hands to receive the benediction. No matter who you are, or what you've done, who you love or what you've lost, where you've gone or the places you've stayed. Know there will always be a place for you here at the table, for you are a beloved child of God, and beloved, you belong. Go in peace.